0: one or two could really change your life and allow you to bring your patient care to a whole new level because you have a little bit of that breathing room and elbow room in your lives. It takes off a bit of stress to have a little bit more cash coming in on the side. Welcome to
1: Doc Working, The Whole Physician Podcast. Thank you for being here with me today. And if you're a healthcare professional interested in living your best life, and you're in the process of figuring out what that means specifically for you, you have come to the right place. At Doc Working, The Whole Physician Podcast, we bring guests who can make your life better starting today. Many of our podcast listeners and our Doc Working Thrive members have let us know that they're interested in entrepreneurship and creating multiple streams of income. And one of my favorite subjects is financial independence. What does that mean? Well, it's different for everyone, but the key is getting yourself into what I call a safety zone, meaning getting yourself into a place of stability where you know that you can cover your basics if you needed to make any kind of changes to your life. And this allows you to have financial peace while you're doing what you really care about so that financial stress is not one of the factors that's contributing to you and living your best life. You can focus on what you really care about. So the guests that I'm bringing on today, I hope you'll find really interesting And if you're like me, maybe you've considered some different side gigs. Maybe you're thinking about what is going to be the best side gig for me. And maybe you're thinking possibly it has something to do with real estate. If that's the case, I think you're going to love today's guest, Dr. Rachel Gainsbrew. Rachel is a pharmacist and she has a side gig, which is luxury short-term rentals. She helps busy medical professionals learn how to do this in a way that helps them to earn a side income while they're still working their day job. And she's been featured on Netflix and the Bigger Pockets blog and we're bringing her here today so that we can ask her questions about how she has managed to do this. She's still working full-time. She's a mom of two kids, a wife, and she's got a side business managing multiple luxury short-term rental properties. So Dr. Rachel Gainsbrew, thank you for coming on the podcast with me today. Welcome to Doc Working, The Whole Physician Podcast.
0: Thank you so much, Jen, for having me. I so appreciate what you are doing for the community the information that you're disseminating, the time that you've taken to share it is just absolutely invaluable. So thank you so much for having me.
1: I'm so excited to talk with you today. I love what you're doing. It's really innovative and you've managed to build up this empire, really, of short-term luxury rentals. And I'm so curious how you've done that. I've got a ton of questions and I think our listeners are going to be very intrigued to hear your story. So Could you start just by telling us your backstory and how you came into this type of business as a side gig?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I was born in Haiti, raised in Miami. I was taught that education was the absolute way. We actually didn't have a lot of money growing up. So I understood, you know, how to live on less than I had growing up. But once I went to college uh, on a full scholarship, And graduated, when I started graduate school, pharmacy school, I went to, I felt like it was the most expensive private school ever. I had no financial literacy. There was not really too many finances to literate upon, so to speak. And so I ended up with a whopping, uh, my husband and I actually, we ended up with a whopping half a million dollars in student loans, which was insane. But at the time we were being fed the narrative that you're going to be making all this money, it's going to be so great. And so I drank that Kool-Aid and then ended up graduating with half a million dollars in student loans. So when we graduated, instead of doing the obvious and most intelligent thing, which is kind of living beneath our means and paying off you know, the debt, initially I went for the big house, I went for the big car, kids were in private school, I was going to, for the first time in my life, live my best life ever. And so I quickly learned that there's something called taxes. I quickly learned that my student loan debt was three to four times higher monthly payments than my mortgage. And it was back in 2008 when there was a lot of devastation financially. And my husband at the time, he even struggled finding work in psychotherapy initially and so we decided we had to do something within a year we realized we had to do something big and so we sold everything moved from a nearly 5,000 square foot home into a 1600 square foot apartment and in a really good school district area I took the kids out of private school they went to public school and we worked on chipping away at, at that student loan debt, and we, we essentially got rid of it within a few years, uh, moonlighting, uh, working extra jobs, working extra shifts at the hospital. And uh, finally, we, we cleared it up and we thought to ourselves, OK, uh, what do we do next? And so at that point, we looked at all these investment strategies, even novel ones back then, such as cryptocurrency, Bitcoin. But we couldn't quite understand those types of investing strategies. So we have a philosophy is we stick to what we understand. And we understood real estate. And it was obvious to us. We can see the home, we can touch the home. And so we went down that journey to understanding all that came with real estate investing. There are so many different strategies out there. And we landed on short-term rentals because at that point we were looking for something to really accelerate our, our income and short-term rentals. Check that box.
1: Wow, I think there are so many people out there in our community as healthcare professionals that are graduating with huge amounts of debt, and that can be really overwhelming. And the story you tell is so typical. I did the same thing when I finished my residency. I thought, oh, thank goodness, you know, I was like 36 years old by that point because I was a non traditional student, it was a long residency. I had kids, you know, and everyone in, in my family really had kind of had this deferred gratification kind of concept where you think like, okay, I've invested all these years, I've worked so hard to get where I am. And now I'm going to just, you know, enjoy this. And, and then you you basically just make that leap into a lifestyle that is very expensive mm-hmm. before you take into consideration all of the ramifications of doing that. And so what I love about your story is that despite doing that, you guys stopped, figured out, okay, something's got to change. And then you took action and made major changes and then got yourself out of debt. And then took the next step to take action, to put yourself in a better place which is just tremendous. I mean, it's just such a a wonderful example to those of us who are listening to your story. So you guys decided to get into real estate. I think you and I both have in common that we have listened to podcasts and read books on real estate investment, bigger pockets. I always like to give them a shout out because I've listened to so many hundreds of hours. (laughs) One question is, when you start going down that path, and you're thinking, "Okay, this might be a side gig that would work for me," how do you get past that sort of analysis paralysis where you're just learning, 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 and you're you realize, of course, that you can you can always be learning. You would never learn everything. At what point did you say, "Okay, I've learned enough. I'm taking the first step. I'm actually gonna"? invest. And in terms of the investment, I suppose the investment income that you need to have to be able to do that successfully.
0: For me, and I don't think I realized that at at the moment, but sometimes we have these roadblocks and it could be, you know, a self-limiting belief. It could be something that's stopping us because I did listen to about two, two and a half years of Bigger Pockets Podcast. I just consumed that information. I could, you know, do a property evaluation in seconds. I could really identify great markets within minutes, but there was an aha moment that I clearly and I distinctly recall. We were sitting on you know, some cash from a bonus that we had received and we're sitting on some cash from I think some savings cash. So we had enough to put a 10% down or 20% down on a smaller property, But the aha moment for me is when I read one page in Brandon Turner's book on real estate investment. I think it's the book on rental property investing is the title of it. And this one page had a table of the different large mechanical items within a home, the square footage of the home, like a range, two different square feet ranges, smaller versus larger home. And the price point it would take to fully replace those mechanical items. And for me, that was the aha moment. It was like, oh, okay. So it was no longer that in my ear saying, if plumbing is not working in a property, it's not a good property. If the roof's not working, you know, if the roof has a leak, it's not a good property. Walk away. If the electrical isn't working, just walk away. As an investor, it's a different hat you're wearing. It's If plumbing isn't working, that's going to take X, Y, Z dollars to repair in this type of size of a home. If it's the roof, it'd be $11,000 in a 2,200 square foot home. And so that to me was an aha moment because I can then take those figures, those numbers, and then plug them into my formula and identify, is it still a good deal? Instead of being this nebulous mystery, oh, plumbing, roof, (laughs) so To me, that was the aha moment, you know, having uh, just started in this home ownership venture, because at that point we had purchased our own home and, you know, not knowing what can go wrong. Initially, we had stuck to brand new homes in the beginning with my naivety, but as a real estate investor, there's none of that is happening. (laughs) You know, you have to be a bit open-minded. So for me, that was the aha moment. So identify to your audience, I would say, identify what is it that's stopping you? What is it that's stopping you? And for me, it was that not knowing what those price points were, but I could have easily taken a step back and really sought after finding that information. So whatever's stopping you, that information is out there. It's outable. Investors have definitely figured it out. And if you can connect with other investors or realtors or even Google some of that information, and start jotting it down, the answers are out there.
1: I love that idea of just realizing, you know, really taking that step back to analyze yourself and what it is that's holding you back. So when you were making the decision of what type of real estate investment to do, I mean, there's so many different options. What made you decide to go into the luxury short-term rental specifically? So
0: you've listened to Pockets. So I think you're going to be able to relate with this. So when I Initially started to look over the landscape to different investment strategies for real estate. I was thinking, okay, what is the lowest hanging fruit that's not going to take a lot of my dollars? It's not going to take a lot of time. And I, somehow I got wrapped up into some marketing that I saw here and there. advertising. I was like, oh, obviously wholesaling. That's going to be great. <laughs> and I quickly realized, oh my goodness, when I looked in a little bit further, oh my goodness, this is a lot of time and. As a full-time working healthcare professional, I don't have that time capital to spend door knocking or posting flyers, all of the running around that occurs with wholesaling. So the next step was, okay, obviously let me do something that's not going to take a whole lot of time, but it's going to generate me a lot of revenue for my dollars and My next step was obviously a fix and flip. Yeah, you can make in 30 minute episode, you're making 40K on HGTV. So yeah, again, I overanalyzed both of those uh, strategies and my goal Jen, was not to find another job. I didn't want to be a project manager necessarily for a fix and flip. I didn't want to be a wholesaler. I'm a healthcare professional, but I wanted a side gig and I didn't want a whole other full-time job. And so I I was very clear on that. And so I swung all the way in the other direction and I said, syndications, that's going to be great. It's completely passive. But when I looked at the numbers, it wasn't enough to really pique my interest. So I was like dancing a fine line. I landed on single family homes, purchasing single family homes. I didn't necessarily want to be a landlord, long-term landlord, because that does require a bit of handholding sometimes, especially if you're purchasing at a lower price point. So I I wanted to stretch the dollars. How do I stretch these dollars to the max? And is there a way I can put in systems so that I'm not necessarily working in the business all the time so that I can work on the business? And so um, short-term rentals was it for me. And when I did more analysis and I dug in a little bit further, the niche in the luxury space definitely made the the big difference in the numbers.
1: I know short-term rentals have become extremely popular. Do you see the market getting overcrowded in that space? And is that affecting your future thinking in terms of how you're investing?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So Red ocean, blue ocean strategy is what I like to refer to. When you're operating a lot of times in luxury brands, there's not that many other competitors. And that was another way to hedge against competition is to stay in the luxury space. But I will tell you, there is a bit of overcrowding. However, it's because of demand. More and more individuals are gravitating towards staying in homes, wanting to live like a local, wanting the convenience of having a full kitchen instead of a hotel. So the overcrowding is in response to demand. I'm seeing a lot of times, rarely do I see a overcrowding due to oversaturation. Prices are still increasing, right? The number of units are increasing, but the prices are still increasing. But when you niche, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, when you niche and you set yourself apart a little bit, I believe that you will still be in demand to the audience that you're speaking to.
1: And do you use those typical platforms that people think of, or do you use different platforms for reaching your potential
0: customers? Yeah, I, I use the typical platforms. There are a couple of other platforms, corporate housing type platforms uh, that I leverage in suburban areas to seek out those traveling executives that are coming for whether it's CEO training or relocating. So those areas I do use our typical platforms plus some of those corporate platforms as well. But in the vacation rental areas, it's the typical ones that you would use. And then there are some regional ones too. It could be, you know, North Carolina mountain cabin rentals, or, you know, they're just specific to that little region there. We'll place our listings on those as well.
1: You mentioned suburban houses. And what about physicians or other healthcare professionals who might be listening who would be in a rural setting for example that might want to purchase in a local market because then they could manage the property themselves have you found that there are good investment opportunities in areas outside of major metropolitan areas how do you handle that and and what do you recommend for someone who may be in that situation
0: what's interesting about luxury travel luxury travel right now as it relates to luxury travel back in the day Modern luxury is the accumulation of unique experiences, being able to connect with others, being able to connect with nature. Those who are traveling want their travel to be convenient, thoughtful, the designs are thoughtful. And so rural areas fall square in the middle of providing some of those unique experiences. I cannot tell you how interesting <laughs> some of those rural areas are. I actually, I actually just discovered a rural area in Kentucky that has a tree house generating $150,000 a year. And you have to climb all the way up, you know, and it's just so intriguing. So those unique experiences, those Instagrammable moments is what a lot of those travelers are looking for. And they're willing to pay for it. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and it was about the strangest conversations you've heard on an airplane. And a woman says, I'm going to, it was in Kentucky, another state. I'm going to Kentucky to stay in a yurt. You know, it's like, seriously, they're going specifically for that yurt. They're going specifically for whatever it is that you can provide that is unique. So the barrier to entry, I think, is a lot lower than a lot of us would imagine. I can pitch a tent. There's a hammock somewhere, I think in California, making $50 a night. (laughs) There's a hammock and it's <laughs> wow <laughs> it's hilarious so we're just limited by our own imaginations and there you know definitely there are circles that specialize in that where you would find the right zoning in the areas if that's your jam but the outdoorsy folks i mean yeah there's there's a lot you can do in a rural area for sure
1: that's really exciting so <laughs> if i was listening to this again like If you're someone who is sort of trying to think this through, and you're coming up with these barriers in your mind, like, well, how would you prevent having people come in and have destructive behavior, or how would you manage, you know, a really detailed type of cleaning? How do you manage pricing? So, would you mind just giving us some an overview of how you have? Do you have a system for all of that? Have you figured? Out something that works or, or do you just, you know, take that on a property by property basis? How have you managed to do that and do it in a way that really isn't a full-time job in and of itself?
0: You're absolutely right because we specialize in larger homes. So five to eight bedrooms and a lot of the big myth out there for those who are actually in the real estate world is, oh no, don't do bigger homes. And you hear coaches saying that all the time, don't do bigger homes. The bigger the home, the more likely you will attract a party, which makes sense. And so I only do bigger homes because what I've found is that when I host multi-generational multi-families, I have four or five ping adult units like uncle, aunt, you know, siblings, grandma, grandpa, they're happy to split that nightly rate. of, And we charge anywhere from 900 a night to 2800 a night. They're happy to split that. And it's still a great deal compared to getting a room block at a hotel. So I do larger homes. And so I am prone for parties. And I have never had a party or a rager or anything in my homes because there's ways to definitely vet your guests and pre-screen your guests. And so you ask for ID. That's one way. And you make sure the ID matches up with their profile. You uh, request a deposit. And another thing is sometimes in some areas, I don't allow locals to book, you know, because locals, if they're looking for just a one day rager, they're going to book. And um, so two night minimums or three night minimums, if you're comfortable with that. Partiers typically just one, one night, they're there all day. So you can deter that by asking for three night minimum. If it's someone who doesn't have a lot of uh, reviews on their profile, so they don't really have a track record, you don't know what they're going to do. You can ask for a security deposit refundable upon them keeping the place in, you know, pretty good shape. I'm not saying they're gonna clean it, but if they don't destroy it, they will get the deposit back. And it's pretty hefty, you know, anywhere from three to five K, which will definitely deter someone from partying because they want their three to five K back. And immediately the conversation ends. They don't wanna to talk to me, they don't want to book. And so we have things in place. And to answer your other question, I haven't I haven't spoken with a guest or responded to a guest, I would say, in about six months. I have a couple of virtual assistants who help me with that. So they copy and paste all of my responses to the same questions because guests tend to ask pretty much the same questions. So they have taken over that part of it. If there's something that is unique, they'll send that to me with their response and I can make a tweak to it and they'll send that to the guest. And when it comes to cleaning, cleaning is really One of the most important metrics that I measure when my guests leave, there's a whole communication workflow the day after they wake up. Well, how was everything? Was anything missing? Let me know. You know, I want those five star reviews and I want them to have a great time. So I'm taking that patient care into guest care. I'm always making sure that they're looked after and checking in on them. And so if they say, well, you know, such and such was missing or such and such was then, you know, our cleaners and our runners get on top of it. We have a white glove inspector also. I love to use our military vets that are within the local area. They'll just walk over to the property. They have a little checklist of mine and they'll look through and make sure that everything's done correctly and they can sweep up back porch if that looks like it needs to be done for 20, 30 bucks, 15 minutes worth of work. And and they love it. And they're very picky and detail oriented, which I love. But the cleaners, they do upload photos after the clean we have the white glove inspector, we have the guests, let us know, you know, uh, what that looks like. And at the end of the week, I look at the cleaning metrics. And so I want greater than 97% five-star reviews in the cleaning category. If we don't have that, then we start having conversations with the team. So KPIs all over again. What are
1: KPIs?
0: Key performance indicators. So for us, our key metric that we look at is the cleaning team reviews.
1: Wow. You do have it thoroughly covered. That's wonderful. <laughs> and you have properties in areas that are not necessarily oh, where you live, right?
0: Yep. So how do you manage
1: that where, where they're remote?
0: We have 18 properties in our portfolio. We own about half of that portfolio. We have another you know, nine or so that have come from investors who want to do it, but they threw in the towel. Because you do want to have the systems in place. So you start with one and then you pretend like you're building an empire with that one because you want to make sure your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed. So again, it takes the team. Because can you imagine if I was hesitant about managing remotely, but I had to think to myself, well, if the plumbing goes out, well, I'm not the one who can fix it anyway. I'm going to have to pick up a phone and call someone. So just like I can call a plumber, I can call a runner. And a runner, it's kind of like a task person. There's an app called Task Rabbit. You just say, "Hey, could you go to the local store and grab me a blow dryer and drop it off at this place?" And <laughs> for twenty dollars, they'll do that. And good thing we have a lot of grocery delivery now, so I'll order a blow dryer from Publix, <laughs> you know, the grocery store, and have it delivered to the property, you know, along with a few missing knives or something like that. So. That's really how we started off, leveraging the help of others. And we continue to do so. We've just built out a system to do it more seamlessly. So yeah, building a team, our virtual assistants, we actually found some great virtual assistants who used to work for some of those big platforms who have since left. So I seek them out because they do even a better job than I do of resolutions and deconflicting calendars. They're really good at it. I mean, there are so many people out there who you can leverage their talent, who would be happy to do those tasks that you and I may be dreading. And so I, the power of leveraging other people's talent is really what I look forward to doing.
1: Yeah, that reminds me of a, a previous podcast episode we had where one of our co-hosts, Dr. Gabriella Denery, whose family is also from Haiti, actually, oh uh, she was talking about how outsourcing can really be a way to help other people because you're giving people yeah. work. And mm-hmm. so it can be a win-win all around. I, I love that concept that you can turn that over and let someone help you. You can take that off of your plate and- keep doing the work that you're finding purpose in and exactly. let someone else take over this task. And then you have your standard operating procedure. So everybody yeah. on your team knows exactly what they're expected to do. Yeah. Do you have a program so that you help other people put this property management into place for their own luxury short-term rentals?
0: I do. And the reason I came up with one because I really believe that we should be managing our own and not not dissing any property managers, but I feel as though I'm a little bit more attentive than anyone else would be in my business. You know, I'm gonna own my business and just really um take great care of it. And I find with a lot of property managers, they're juggling a lot of properties and you sometimes wonder, are they giving my property priority? So to take that away, I really get laser focused on us managing our own properties. And I have a program where I teach others who are getting started with their very first one, or they're trying to get started with their next one. And they realize the first one wasn't optimized. I actually have a client of mine who has eight properties that weren't optimized. And so she came and joined the program and we looked at each listing we looked at the cleaning team. We looked at all of those key tenants of that business, and we were able to get the pricing optimized, get the calendars optimized as well. I call it the luxury short-term rental academy. And so <laughs> I cater primarily to healthcare professionals, but of course, anyone who gravitates towards my mission, and it is how do I own and operate the fewest number of properties that generates the highest profitability. I'm just focused on almost a minimalistic approach, you know, because I think one or two could really change your life and allow you to bring your patient care to a whole new level because you have a little bit of that breathing room and elbow room in your life. It takes off a bit of stress to have a little bit more cash coming in on the side.
1: Absolutely. I love the concept of just getting yourself into that safety zone.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, if you
1: stop and think about what you need to be in a zone where you can just cover your basic expenses, then you can put a property number on that, for example, if that's what you choose to do. And then it doesn't have to be an unlimited number of properties that grows and grows and grows. It might just be one or two that could make a significant difference in your own peace of mind. So absolutely. Yeah. I love what you're doing. So how can people reach you if they want to learn more?
0: Yeah. So I have a free gift. Um, what I get asked all the time is, well, where should I invest? What are the top cities? And if you go to 75gems.com, that's 75GEMS.com, you'll get access to my free 75 cities in the US with the highest profitability for short term rentals. And that'll also share with you a link to my free Facebook group where I provide trainings every week for free.
1: Well, thank you so much. Dr. Rachel Gainsborough for coming on Doc Working the Whole Physician podcast. It's great to talk with you and I look forward to future conversations.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jen. This is so much fun.
1: At Doc Working, we're here to help you maximize your potential on your own terms and help you live your best life. You told us what you need and want, and we built this for you. Whatever your journey is, you have options. You can choose to live the life you want to live. We see you, we get you, and now let's get you in the driver's seat of your own life so you can find purpose in your work and everything you do and every choice you make. Top executives, athletes, actors, all achieve greatness with the support of professional coaches. As a healthcare professional, you deserve ongoing coaching support toward achieving your career goals and living your best life as you define it on your own terms. We have created this specifically for you with CME credit at docworking.com. Please go to docworking.com and check out our quick. Balance to Burnout quiz to see where you are on the Balance to Burnout continuum right now. The results might surprise you. Taking this simple first step may change your life for the better. And until next time, thank you for listening to Doc Working, The Whole Physician Podcast.